We're talking women's issues on Devil Times 5 this month, so expect pregnancy, awful, awful children, <laughs> and bikini waxes gone horribly wrong. Yep, it's that time of the month. This is episode 54 of the Devil Times 5 horror podcast, and this time we're looking at movies made by female directors with female leads and asking, is there such a thing as too much estrogen? Oh, of course not. I'm Cliff, and I'm joined by my regular five X chromosomes and one Y chromosome, Bryony, Emily, and Luke. Hey, hey. hey. Plus, bringing another couple of X's to the party, our guest devil this month is reigning BBC New Comedy Award runner-up, Hannah Platt. Hey, how's Hello, it going? Hannah. Thanks for joining us. Have you been uh, back out on stage now that proper gigs are allowed again? Yeah, I have. Um, it's been really weird. Like I got signed to a new agency over lockdown, so meeting people that I've been working with in real life was really strange. Everyone's quite tall. I'm very short, so yeah, it's been it's been good, and I've been able to see people laughing without a delay on a Zoom gig because yeah. that's always been terrifying. Good, yeah. Luke and Emily, have you been out back on stage yet? Uh, I've only done one so far, but then I got two in July. But it was it was nice to do one back. Um, it was quite busy at the pub as well that I was at, so it was good. I've got a couple happening in July. Um, I'm trying to sort of write a new show at the moment, but very, very slowly in time for sort of the fringe season next year. So, yeah. Cool. It's exciting. Things getting back to normal, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, right, That's as ever... Um, Oh, gone. I've seen two. Thanks for not asking, but I've seen two. <laughs> you don't do stand up anymore, Bryony. <laughs> no, I know, but I still consume it. Still I'm still partake. important. <laughs> <laughs> I've turned down four gigs, but no, I've seen. I've seen shows. I, I saw Stephen Kay almost fight with a seagull uh, at That's the open right. air theatre, which uh-huh. was delightful. And <laughs> oh, I think you said two. Oh, the other one was Zoe Lyons, which was very funny, um, right. and it was very wet. But it wasn't as, as funny as Stephen Kane was. You're going to cut this out, aren't you? Um, well, probably, because like, you haven't done stand-up for so long, you've forgotten the rule of three. <sighs> yeah. You've got no way to finish this anecdote, have you? Yeah. As ever, we'll kick things off with our highs and lows of horror viewing from the last few weeks. Bryony, you can start. Uh, my high was anything for Jackson. Okay. Um, which was on uh, Shudder. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a pair of grandparents who lose their grandson in a car crash, so they turn to Satan. And you know how much I love old people and Satan. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's because I work in adult social care now, but I fucking love old people. And I love Satan. So, <laughs> hey. uh, No, it was, generally, it was generally really good and had um, slight comedic moments, which I really enjoyed because it was literally just these old people just going, fuck, we just wanted our grandson back. Um, with generally creepy moments, like I like those those horror films where you're not sure who you should be rooting for, and it was like these people are obviously terrible, but it's, they've been driven to it for terrible reasons, and little things get done, and the effects are really cool, and like the demons that come out are really cool. I liked the weird things that came out at one point. I'm trying to remember if there's like a weird man with a taped up mouth and stuff. Yeah, and he's all like wrapped in cling film. He's all like, Marrr! there's like yeah, there's good parts like that that I liked. Yeah, and like I like the guy going, "It's okay," and then he jumps into the wood chipper, and it's like, "Oh no, it's not okay. That's not okay, is it?" Hello, Malo was. Dun, 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 dun. I expect if anyone else has Netflix, you'll probably agree. It's uh, Army of the Dead, the Zack Snyder film that came out recently. Yeah, um, it was fucking terrible. Like. 
a lot of people have said, oh, like, the intro would make a really good film, and I completely agree. And I, I fucking love Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. I thought it was a really good, solid remake. And I love Batista. You know how much I love wrestling? So I love Batista. I love zombies. And it was just so lame. And it was like Ocean's Eleven with zombies, but it just didn't work. Zombies robbing a casino? Oh. Yeah, no, it was basically there. Zombies have happened, shit, and then uh, Las Vegas is walled off, and then for some reason this guy's like, hey, I need some like people to go in there and, and break into my bank vault and steal my money because they're going to nuke Las Vegas in 24 hours or 48 hours. And Batista's like, yeah. So he gets a cra- he He does that. <laughs> And then he gets a team, and he gets a team of, like, uh, a mechanic lady, um, annoying man, another annoying man, and um, Tignataro, who's been CGI'd in. She got CGI'd over the top of a paedophile. <laughs> what? Yeah, so they, they had this this American comedian playing this role. A Chris like, Delia, whatever. Kira, yeah, yeah D- Delia. 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 Um, turns oh, out Chris Delia. Delia. Yeah. yeah, him. He was um, being naughty with some under-18s. Um, so they, they just got Tignataro and just, like, pasted her over him. <laughs> it, it looks so weird because she doesn't, she doesn't interact with any real people and you can tell it. You can tell that's happening. And um, she's just being Tignataro delivering these lines like, hey, I'm Tignataro, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, if you see me in Star Trek, it's the same character. It's just weird. But you, you look past that, you're like, all right, like right, let's look past the paedophile, we're putting Tig. I like Tig. <laughs> Batista's like, I've got a daughter and I've got feelings. So I was like, no, Batista, don't have daughter and a feelings. I don't like it when you do that. <laughs> and it was just bad. Zack Snyder used a really old camera and he has these like interviews where he's going, I used a really old camera, lol, look at my old stuff. It's like those like trendy boys who used to go out when you were a teenager going, I've just went to Snoopers Paradise. Uh, you might not have heard of it. It's like this uh, second-hand store, and I just bought a really old camera, and it's really amazing. Yeah, there's a crack in every photo because there's a, a damage, but that's just like part of its story, yeah? It's like there was a thing a few years ago with sort of hipster twats buying, like, cameras from the former Soviet Union. Mm, mm. That's what Snyder did. He bought an old um, camera, and it's got a dead pixel in it. So for about half this movie, there's a dead pixel right in the middle of the screen. What? Like, it, only, yeah, it only showed up on the 4K release. Yeah, it, yeah. It's on about 10 scenes and it never got cut out. I thought my Chromebook was being shit. <laughs> yeah. shit. Okay, Brian, well. you've really sold this to me. I really <laughs> want to watch it now. They can CGI Tignataro on top of a paedophile, but they can't fix the dead pixel. A dead yeah, pixel, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And like, that's such a weird substitute. Like, They've got the same haircut, and that's the only similarity <laughs> I can think of. Are you saying Tignataro looks like a pedo? I'm not saying that. It just so happens. But yeah, also, I didn't want the only interjection I had to be the pronunciation of a paedophile surname. So. <laughs> Your area of expertise. So I was like, quick, talk about something else. <laughs> Forever known as the paedophile character. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what I want in between. I don't have a middle name. I don't want that to be it. Definitely don't want that middle name. No. Right, Luke. Uh, my high is um, A Quiet Place Part 2. 
Um, okay. I did a double bill of one and two, and like both films, for some reason, feel like they're only an hour long because of how chaotic everything is. And the second film has one of the most tense scenes I've seen in a long time. It's one scene where two things are happening at the same time, but it keeps going back and forth, and you sort of find out more about the monsters and why they're there. But it's just a really tense film throughout, and it's just it's one of the best sequels that I've seen in a long time. My low is a film called Ghastlies, which was on Amazon Prime which is pretty much a rip-off of every monster movie, like Ghoulies. Um, It pretty much wants to be that, but it's just people with puppets on their hands. So you just have, like, (laughs) a person with a crocodile on their hand. That sounds amazing. Yeah, like, both of your, like, worst ones, the low (laughs) points, I've been like, well, I'm going to watch them now. But yeah, it's just it's um one of those films that has really bad acting, and yeah, it's just people getting attacked by hand puppets. So if you want to see that, it sounds then... like City and Sweep. It sounds great. Yeah, I do want to see that. That's that sounds like the sort of film idea that me and my friends would have had in our twenties when we were really, really stoned. There's hand puppets, yeah, and they like kill people, and uh, that's it. Brilliant. Yeah, or you would have done it in like a uni course where it was like you've got to do horror, and people are doing like Blair Witch ripoffs. And you're going like, but what we'll do is we'll show the monster, but it'll be like a puppet. It's about childhood. (laughs) I did watch a film this month that's, uh, it was from the early 80s, Attack of the Beast Creatures, which um, people are attacked by all these little puppets. And you can see the actors having to hold them onto their bodies to make it look like That's the thing that this film does. A guy gets attacked by, he's got it on his neck at one point. And because no one's controlling it, he grabs yeah. it by its sides and he's just throwing it about on his neck when he falls to the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, see, I want to watch this because I've got fond childhood memories of watching Rod Hull and Emu, so. <laughs> <laughs> Emily. I've got two highlights again. Um, oh. Well, one is a highlight and the other one is a, I thought this was going to be catch it, but actually really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the latter one is Spiral. The um the saw one with the uh, Chris oh, Rock. Cool. I was expecting it to be absolutely terrible, but um my boyfriend doesn't really like horror films apart from Evil Dead and the Saw movies. So we ended up going to see that um in the middle of the day at um, the cinema in Stratford. Um, just setting the scene there is not not important, but it <laughs> maybe the fact that I'd had a bucket load of orange flavored Pepsi Max from the, the fancy drinks machine may have had something to do with me enjoying it. But yeah, it's like it's another episode in the fucked up cop show. Sorry, did you is. say orange Pepsi Max? You can get yeah, you got orange Pepsi Max. What? Yeah, they've got one of those. If you ever go into a five, is it one guys, of those ones that you like a Burger King where you can mix your own soft? Yeah, like what's they call a kamikaze when you mix them all up together? Yeah, it's about eight different drinks, isn't there? Of, like, yeah. of just the one drink and all the different flavors. No, it's just it's just Pepsi Max. Only it's an orange flavor. <laughs> Why is it orange flavor though? Because like, it, you made this up. Is it Pepsi or is it Coke Zero? I can't remember. Anyway, so Spiral. That makes it weirder. (laughs) Coke Zero. I can't even, like, imagine what a Coke infused with orange would take. Like, I just can't perceive that. Zero calories as well. Yeah, yeah, and you're not, and it's going to, like, be healthy. I can't fathom this. No, it just looks like cola. And when I was a kid, I used to do the Fanta and Coke thing together as well. So it's probably to do with that. It's probably sort of childhood. I mean, how was it this time, though? How was it this time? Yeah, um, was it okay? Or, yeah, it was like, nice. Are, yeah, are you I, okay? Well, are you all right? <laughs> in as much as I ever am, yeah. 
So what you're saying is that it was nice to remember how the, the good old days, how it used to be. It wasn't quite the same. It wasn't quite it was, the same. It was okay, and Chris Rock did a good job. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, kind of. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't just remembering the good old days. It was. It felt like it was a. Would you suggest having this whilst watching Spiral? Um, Sam's you... orange Coke, Pepsi zero madness well you you could mix tango and coke or um ah, Fanta and coke. i don't know if i'm ready for that man i don't even know if i'm ready for spiral yeah is, no. it, is it is it is it what they do a coke strawberry as well in that machine <laughs> oh shit <laughs> <laughs> they do a grape one as well but anyway um <laughs> yeah spiral is like another episode of the weird cop show that is a great the one does it taste like Pepsi wine it doesn't, no. Pepsi, what if you leave it out long enough, does it turn to wine? Wow. No, it wouldn't. It's not natural enough to ferment. Maybe if you leave it underneath a light bulb. Like Meg Foster in They Live. She leaves a white wine <laughs> out in the LA sun. <laughs> some people have different tastes and some tastes are weird. Anyway, Spiral is all right. Look, if, there's, if there's not a scene in Spiral with Chris Rock going to a machine and getting a Coke Fanta, then it's <laughs> not a good Coke. saw movie. <laughs> okay. Do you want to play a game? You spent all your life mixing your options. Now you get to mix your soft drinks. You have been drinking a disgusting mixture of fizzy pop drinks for ages, even though you're an adult. Now a mixture of disgusting fizzy pop drinks will be yeah, drinking. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, what's your other high? Uh, my other high, which is not completely surprising given my usual stuff that I talk about, I love folk, horror-y, spooky. Um, stuff and stuff with good soundtracks. So my other high is In the Earth, the Ben Wheatley movie. Stolen my high. Without meaning to sound particularly wanky on it, it is an experience that's particularly great to see in the cinema with a massive screen and an excellent sound system. It's got Reese Shearsmith being awesome. It's got the rest of the cast are incredible. It's got a kind of a mind-bending sort of weird bit towards the end and it would make one half of a nice double bill with a field in England. It's not quite as good as that, but that's a film that I've got quite a lot of affection for, but it's it's definitely worth seeing. I mean, people have said it's kind of like Wheatley doing his greatest hits, but I'm absolutely on board with that. Like everyone else, I think um, the middle section is the best where it goes a bit Wolf Creek. Mm. Um, really good to see Joel Fry from Plebs get a starring role in a thing that isn't an advert voiceover. <laughs> and... Um, I was disappointed by Hayley Squires. I didn't think she was very convincing in her role. I normally love her, but she's she's quite a naturalistic actor normally, and she's like just delivering mumbo jumbo lines and this and it. It is a little bit stagey her performance, but it it kind of works yeah. when she goes full on insane and she's got the like the proper mad eyes on. Which she she's got a lot of foreshadowing of you know I'm going to do mad eyes. But she proper goes for it. The main thing I remember in the film when I think about it is her staring face. So yes, so she obviously she obviously got something going for her there. Yeah, it is a good film. I liked it. Mm, the soundtrack's absolutely banging as well. Hannah. So I watched this film called The Vampire Bat, which is from 1933. Oh my god! Ooh. Don't bother because it's <laughs> fucking shit. <laughs> so like a man who's like a bit mentally ill. Is just strung out the whole the whole film. You just they just keep looking at him and he does like crazy face and you're like, oh, I guess he's the vampire bat. And it's just like and, and then the whole town follows him round, being like, he's mental. He's obviously the vampire bat. And there's no there's no cool dialogue in it. There's a lot of meetings about the vampire bat where people have really good eyebrow movements, but they don't really say anything. <laughs> And 
oh my god and then at the end it's like whoa there's a twist it wasn't him after all it was the creepy guy who looks like a vampire the whole fucking film so yeah it's rubbish it's rubbish i hated it just a lot of just a lot of eyebrows and like not enough anything it was it was terrible more eyebrows than energy. I mean, I like eyebrows. They're a great feature, but it's they not are. It's not an hour and a half, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? You got well, uh, the highlight, I don't want to say that the highlight was raw because that's like a film that we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk oh about that God, later. It, bl- it blew my head off. Well, we'll talk about that later. So, Emily, you stole my high of In the Earth, so I'm going to have to go with two lows, I think. One is... Uh, it's called Death Do Us Part, but everywhere else in the world it's called Zoo. And it's a lockdown film. It's set during a pandemic, but it was 2018. We follow this couple who are just like having to you know, stay in their flat the whole time. It wants to be everything. So it goes through loads of different genres, like from zombie to rom-com to mm. home invasion thriller. But it's never convincing and it never stays in one sort of mode for long enough to for you to care about. It's just a load of sort of middles of films all stitched together. Um, so that was shit. Um, and the other one, the other low is something called Satan's Mistress, which is from 1982, also known as Demon Seed, but not that one, also known as Fury of the Succubus, Dark Eyes, and Demon Rage. And I wish I could tell you what happens in it, but most of the dialogue is drowned out by the sounds of water. When you say drowned out by water, do you mean like that just conversations are constantly happening by a tap? Like, yeah, why? basically, yeah. <laughs> just like, sorry, before you start, and they're turning it on. <laughs> Great, now we can talk. Or, or was it just like you were watching it on like a, it was like a bad rip, and it was just like someone was peeing the whole time? No, genuinely, <laughs> um, there are scenes set like they're sitting by the ocean, or they're in a jacuzzi, <laughs> or they're in a, they're in a restaurant and there's a big water feature right behind them. And just the, the, the sound, the, the dialogue is so badly recorded that all you Did they just get a sound guy they really hated on set, and they were like, "We don't care about this film; we just really hate this sound guy." <laughs> yeah, um, no, that was bad. Um, so highs and lows done. Now let's get cracking. No pun intended. With this month's theme of women directing women. How is that fun? Like a, a woman's crack. Oh, I was going to say, you know, because guys don't have cracks. I mean, everyone has everyone has cracks, regardless. Of everyone gender. has cracks, yes, but yeah. only women have women's it's cracks. Because we're such an inclusive podcast, welcome to our crack. <laughs> <laughs> girls on film. <laughs> girls on film. First up is Hannah's selection from director Karen Kasama. It's 2009's Jennifer's Body. You and me are going out tonight. Wear something cute, okay? You always do what Jennifer tells you to do. It's just that I like the same things that she likes. Hey, Jennifer. You look really pretty. Why don't you just come by my place? That was random. This isn't really your house, is it? We can play mommy and daddy. No way. (sighs) We always share your bed when we have slumber parties. Jennifer's evil. I know. No, I mean, she's actually evil. Not high school evil. Chip is looking really cute to me lately. How is he tasting these days? You are never a good friend. You could have anybody that you want. Hi, Chip. You're killing people. No, I'm killing boys. Are you scared? 
A high school cheerleader in a small American town is briefly abducted by a visiting rock band and comes back as a succubus who feeds on teenage boys. Um, whenever there's a monstrous teenage girl in a horror film, whether it's The Exorcist or Carrie or Ginger Snaps, uh, the temptation is always to think, well, it's about periods, isn't it? So my first question to you on this episode examining films with female leads made by women directors is, is Jennifer's body about periods? No. 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 Right, good. That's that out of the way. Uh, Hannah, you chose this. What do you think about Jennifer's body? Uh, by which I mean the film and not not her figure or anything like that. It's got everything I like. It's got like demons and Satan and bisexuality and feminism <laughs> and a creepy rock band. It's like growing up in 2005. Yeah, and like it's got that kind of fashion as well. Like I love yeah, it. Yeah. Can we talk about Low Shoulder, this rock band? Maybe things are different in Devil's Kettle, but where I'm from, Low Shoulder would be totally classed as landfill indie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is America. I think the really funny thing about it is that the cast, the guy from the OC, and the OC was famous for um, having episodes with, like, Mumford and Sons or shit like that on. And these, like, middle-of-the-road shit indie bands would get huge after being on the OC. So I think it was quite a clever casting choice to have him on that, like, oh, looking to... My band's going to be quite famous if I do this, because... That happened with a lot of bands on his show. That might be me reading too well, far. Was that when Maroon it. Five made it big? Because they say they want to be as cool they as do, Maroon Five. They do. They do. I mean, so do you think it's intentional that they're a really tedious bad band? It is intentional. Oh, yeah. yeah. The line about Maroon Five—that's that's that's taking the piss. Yeah. yeah. Well, you'd and hope the, the, so. the type of indie song with the the haircuts and the little hats. Yeah, and, the, the and also so it's I a think real... it's such like a funny thing to have a satanic rock band play that kind of music. Mm. <laughs> like, I think that's the thing that bothered yeah. me the most about it. I was like what girl in high school is following a band like this that speech they gave was so on point it was so funny and so satirical i was not expecting to love this film and i fucking loved it yeah same i'd not seen this before i thought it was cracking really really good are you saying when needy says they're basically agents of satan with really awesome haircuts and then it cuts to the van of the band and they've just got totally normal haircuts you're saying that's a joke (laughs) Yeah, but back then, those were cool haircuts, man. Were they? Yeah, and I think it's kind of like um, similar to Mean Girls in the way that like it really wants to solidify itself as like a film from that time. So like, mm. I don't think it wants to be, you know, it doesn't want to be like timeless or anything. It wants to have no. that kind of like the soft, lame indie bands and the the lame haircuts and the and music references to um myspace yeah. as well yeah 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 and yeah they, yeah the velour tracksuits and like they're using loads of slang from that time that like i don't know what any of it means anymore no. you know like... well, i'll tell you what you give me such a wetty is one of the least sexy things i've ever heard <laughs> Oh my god, but said in that sarcastic, droll voice is so funny. Like, I really love that. That's what we that. used to say in school, though. No, it's like, not. Genuinely, when this film came out, when this film came out, oh, you give him such a wide on, such a wetter. That's what we used to say. Yeah, wide on was the one that I Wide on is just, just, that should be banned from the vocabulary. If you remember the, the type of indie music that was making it big over in America at the time, our version would have maybe been the Fratellis, like the sort of indie, <laughs> oh, no. but also so fucking laddie indie. Like, oh, like uh. you can imagine a film called Chelsea's Dagger. Yeah, can you imagine? Anyway, yeah, 
Good film. Good film all around. Yeah. It's so funny when you're a teenage girl, like, you feel so vulnerable and so, like, unsure of yourself. It's, like, all fetishized and, like, a saucy schoolgirl and all that. So it's funny that it's a demon taking over and kind of realising that power that she's got is, like, this hot young woman to be like, wow, I can manipulate anyone to do anything Mm. I want to the point where I can kill people off and they don't even... No, I've done and it. And Pat, she had that power before she got yeah, yeah, mm. by a demon. It just got exacerbated. Yeah, it's because she's like now, you know, she's been taken over by someone who can look at her from the outside looking in. Whereas if you're a teenage mm. girl and you're like wandering around being like, I don't know what's going on, like you wouldn't think <laughs> that you would be able to have that control or that power over people around you, you know. I just love the, the nuances in it, that the relationship between Needy and, and Megan Fox. Um, I wish I'd remembered her name, but there you go. Jennifer. Jennifer. It's Jennifer. <laughs> Jennifer. Oh, yeah, like that film title. Hey, it's what it's called Distracted by breasts. Um, no, I loved like the relationship and the, the notes it hit on of being a, a teenage girl, and I wish I'd seen it when it came out. Yeah, it kind of flopped when it came out. Wasn't the issue with the marketing, because when it first came out, it was very much kind of like, hey, here's Megan Fox and she's sexy. And yeah, she is. And, you know, fair enough, but it's mis-selling, maybe. Yeah, I think there was a lot of internalised stuff being like, you know, if you're a young woman and then you see like someone who's like the ideal of femininity Mm. and she's so hot and sexy and my boyfriend probably fancies her i'm not gonna go and watch a film with her in it's like (laughs) oh no it's actually like a really good film but i don't know who it was aimed at if it was trying to it's almost like it was trying to do a catch-all of being like well we'll get the guys in to check out megan fox and we'll get the girls in because it's a feminist fun romp but everyone was like nah i don't think they got the women in though because like was this pre or post um Transformers, because it was literally just like, look at Megan Fox, look at her tits, see you later, bye. I can't get over the fact that the script so badly wants to be Heather's. And it's full of all this slang that just shouting, quote me, quote me, the whole way through. Um, Mm. In a way that I don't think Heather's does. Heather's is so much more just like, sort of toss aside these little bon mots. How very. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's. Yeah. I think the script in Jennifer's Body is just trying too hard. There's a scene where everyone is depressed and upset and they're all in the darkness because they're crying because loads of their friends have died. And she's walking through high school with like her hair (laughs) bouncing and she's in slow motion and she's happy. And I thought that was so funny. Yeah, but but Heather's did it all first. (laughs) Yeah, but I think that like if you're like a teenager, you want your Heather's... You know what I mean? Like, if you're watching something from the 80s, it all will feel a bit like, this was from the past. What were yeah. people like in the past? <laughs> well, now they watch The Craft because The Craft is in fashion now, isn't it? Yeah, so it all comes back. Yeah, you know what they want to watch? Yeah. They want to watch The Vampire Bat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I can't imagine that reflects anyone's teenage years. <laughs> you were a teenage goth. <laughs> Maybe it was a good reflection of like mental health at the time. <laughs> they just kept being like, "Well, you're fucking mental, so you must be a vampire." <laughs> to be fair, that was happening in my secondary school in the nineties. That exact thing. <laughs> Teenage goth. There you go. The thing that I noticed with it being from two thousand nine, like it hasn't aged well with the music. 
there is definitely a point where someone just put on an iPod shuffle with emo songs on it. Good use of a whole song towards the end, though. Uh, good use of a whole song? But why Violet? Why not? Yeah, you know, why not Jennifer's, Jennifer's body? body. <laughs> when I get what I want, I never want it again. It's reflecting what's happened with the characters. It's about need and want and <laughs> feminist anger. And probably yes. Dablo Cody chose this because she would have been an angry teenager in the 90s. <laughs> one of my uh, one of my karaoke um, standards, that, Violet. That's a good way to um, give yourself a sore throat, that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, ruins me for the rest of the night. Yeah, I feel like you might be able to pull it off. I feel like if I sang it drunk, it'd look like I was having a breakdown. People would be like, this is it. This is too appropriate, if anything, and cut her off. <laughs> uh, right, as always, apart from our two features, we've been watching a selection of other movies that fit the episode's theme. Unfortunately, one of them was 1992's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um <laughs> Which I mean, it's shite. It's I mean, no, it's awful. So it's bad. Awful. It's terrible. Josh Whedon is a terrible writer, and I hate him so yeah. much. Yeah. The worst thing about this, right, is that Josh Whedon is an absolute cunt, and it's only just been evident of how much of a bastard he is. So now I watch anything that he's done, and I'm like, oh, you're so creepy. So any line that like seems a little bit creepier, before I'd be like, haha, that's just a man being awkward. And now it's like, oh, you're just the worst. I mean, season seven of Buffy, when, spoilers, Spike rapes Buffy, and he's forgiven. I love Buffy so much. I, I did love this film for a long time as a child as well. And I went to Worthing Library and he spread all the comic books, like all the prequel comic books, and be like, I, fuck, I fucking loved Buffy. Um, I didn't have many friends as a 10-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading about the series, though, and um, apparently Merrick, which is Donald Sutherland's character in the film, mm. uh, the big difference, apparently, according to both Wikipedia and Buffy.fandom, is that Merrick has a British <laughs> accent in the film that he doesn't have in the series. Like, no, he doesn't. He's just got Donald Sutherland's no, accent. No, he's got Donald Yeah, he's the <laughs> Canadian man doing a slightly poshed up voice. That's not a, that's not a British accent. No. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they put a different actor in the, the Buffy series because obviously Donald Sutherland's like, what did I do with this film? Him and Joss Whedon apparently really, really didn't get on. Rook Howe is in it as well. How did he get roped it? And and Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, is the yeah, vampire yeah, that looks been, like a cross yeah. between Nicolas Cage and Dave Grohl. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think you're giving him too much credit there because that sounds like it could be a good combination. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not it's, it's not great. This, I mean, it was nice to see Luke Perry in something. I always thought he was he was quite good. I used to like when he was on teen shows in the 90s despite being 35 years old apparently at the start of the 90s it's not a good film guys no it's no. not good no i mean the vampire action it's just so lame isn't it it's like that yeah that, like that vampire attack in the park it's like something that like some amateur filmmakers with a camcorder would do yeah it makes no sense either so buffy's the only person in the world who can defeat vampires right and mm. a vampire slayer only comes along every however many decades. Once every generation, a, a, a chosen one is born. So why <laughs> do all the vampires hang out in the same town as her? Seems like the worst place you'd go. Because, and they, they go through this in the uh, the series, because Sunnydale, California, is on top of a hellmouth, which is where evil descends. Is the movie um, set in the same place, though? No, it's set in LA. It's miles away. It's for no reason. Mm-hmm. Nowhere near a hell's mouth. Nowhere near a hell's mouth. (laughs) 
It is also the only time I've ever heard anyone say forget you outside of the radio edit of CeeLo Green's <laughs> Fuck You, which is another one of my uh, karaoke standards, funnily enough. <laughs> Basically, I don't think we should be talking about this film because it's not very important and not very good. Well, in that case... <laughs> I also like that you don't like it like on principle because you can explain away a lot of things by like the lore of Buffy the Vampire Slayer because you've watched so much of it. I mean, I have, but I get really <laughs> upset re-watching it sometimes. It's just not very good anymore. Like, with, with hindsight, it's not very good. And I blame... Um, Josh, Josh Whedon. Whedon. Blame being a child who had no sense of um, taste. I just... I loved Buffy so much. She was just, like, the best. You were a child. It's all right to be wrong. Um, what we don't have this month are many slasher movies, but 1981's The Slumber Party Massacre is often considered a feminist satire of the genre. Does that view hold any water? Nah. <laughs> nah. I had this as um, a low light a few months ago, not because it's bad. It's a standard, fairly kind of perfunctory early 80s slasher movie, but because I was expecting it to be all kind of satirical and feminist and mm. it kind of isn't. But on the rewatch, one thing I will say about it, I, I still I don't think it's particularly subversive or anything like that. On the rewatch, I do like the characters a lot more. And the standout for me is the sarcastic little sister who's, Mm. reading Playgirl instead of doing her homework and so her sister's like what are you doing she's like I'm really doing my biology homework and she's just like such an arsehole but in a very very believable way I think it was originally written as satire. yeah it was written as a parody and then they just yeah. played it straight which is a bit weird there's moments where it's like oh is this subverting the male gaze because there's the shower moment yeah I found that really jarring that scene where they just yeah just move the camera down to the arse and it's like alright what's, what's happened here and I, I found myself asking like what's the point of this and I was like, it's the point of this, it's like making the point, but it's not really making the point because there's the arse, there's the tits, there's, <laughs> there's more arse, there's more tits. It's like, well, I think the, the director worked with uh, Roger Corman, so he was probably just like, just stick some tits in it somewhere. And she was like, okay. <laughs> the two sequels both have um, scenes where they have, like, you know, take your clothes off parties for no fucking reason. Jack's been trying to get me to watch Summer Party Massacre for about five months going, it's feminist! And I finally watched it and I was like, no it's not! No, the only <laughs> thing I could see really is at the end the final girl chops off the end of the killer's drill followed yeah. by his left hand which might be his wanking hand. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's all I could... <laughs> might be. That's what you but took also the killer was so boring. The killer was so tedious as well. Like he was just like... I actually thought the killer was all right, but that's maybe just because it reminded me of Bob in um, Twin Peaks. He's got that kind of blankness to him. I felt it was it was jarring because it was like they built up all this relationship within the house and the the slumber party stuff, and then they built him in it. And it was like, well, there's no like surprise. We don't get to like guess who the killer is. He's just an escaped lunatic, and he's just some guy who like looks like like Dave from B and Q. Sometimes I like that in a slasher, though, where the the killer is just a normal bloke. It can make it scarier. I've been told so much about um, Summer Party Massacre. And it's annoying because you still see it quoted as like, yeah, just in passing. Oh, I don't like a feminist slasher like Summer Party Massacre. You're thinking to the journalist, have you seen it? Yeah. (laughs) Have you actually watched it? Yeah. Whenever there's a scene where you've got a load of ladies hanging out and their friends and they're chatting and that's that's fine and then suddenly they're all in sexy lingerie. So perhaps unsurprisingly you have to look further afield than Hollywood for good examples of woman-directed horror. So from Australia, there's The Babadook, uh, which we have talked about before briefly way back in episode four, but none of the current devils were even born back then, probably. So <laughs> what do you think of The Babadook, um, the film, not the weird man in the hat? Why, why is he gay? 
Why is everyone saying he's gay? Why is anyone gay, Hannah? Just accept it. Because I'd seen the meme, but I'd not watched the film. And then when I watched the film, kind of going in being like, well, he's an LGBTQA icon. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like trying to, you know, it's kind of like you were saying about the Slumber Party Massacre where you go in with like a standpoint and then you feel yourself trying to like force it in being like, Maybe is it, it's is it because, because it he's is. got an amazing dress sense. What happened was, for some reason, the gaze of the internet went, well, he's just coming out of the closet and he looks so great. And then they made it as a, a meme. Didn't it happen because it got posted on a site by mistake as well? He like, got, no, what happened was um, Reddit loved it. And then one day on LGBTQ Reddit, <laughs> Netflix posted the Babadook as a LGBTQ film. So from that, Everyone was like, "Well, now he's an icon." <laughs> oh, it must. Yeah, it must have been when they when it gets put by mistake. The algorithm was wrong. Yeah, so from the algorithm being wrong, he then became an icon, and then you'll see like drag queens dressed as Babadook and stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. I was really curious about that because the whole time I was like watching it, wondering when the moment would come that something ah, would happen yeah. that would hint. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just like a. We just suddenly see the Babadook at home enjoying a same-sex relationship. <laughs> well, now I've got a whole new idea of what LGBTQT stands for now. Lesbian, gay, Babadook, transgender. <laughs> more, more bisexual erasure. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to no, 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 I don't think Andy Bell and Vince Clark were bisexual. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> And then there was a weird thing where Pennywise and the Babadook were also in a relationship, but then yeah. Pennywise <laughs> got taken away because Pennywise was apparently um, homophobic in It yeah. Chapter 2 when he um, yeah. ate a gay person. So Pennywise, Pennywise has been cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> I think with all the stuff with him becoming a meme and everything, people have just been like, oh, the Babadook, he's all scary and look how easy he is to dress up as for Halloween. I mean, I've, I've seen loads of people do that. And then coming back to it now, I'd kind of forgotten quite how sort of disturbing the film is how much you're you're going on the journey with this woman into her psychosis it's absolutely horrific like the the kid is super fucking annoying and like her mental state is palpable like her Mm. mental state like collapsing and you're just like right there with her as a viewer you don't have quite the guilt that she has because she has the guilt of just like something on my head and the Babadook is just everything pushed into one dark... Because it's a huge dark thing, like a mum hating their child. Because mm. she hates that kid. Can you imagine squeezing out of a kid and, like, hating it? Like, all the effort for nothing. Oh, it's, it's a great advert for my anti-breeding campaign, definitely. Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I've said this before, but when there's a really irritating, annoying, bratty kid on a film... I hate children mm. normally, but I really enjoy watching kids like that. <laughs> I, I find Samuel in The Babadook hilarious. Oh, God. She won't let me have a birthday party and she won't let me have a dad. Like, <laughs> how can you not laugh? I really hate Australian accents. So it was a hard watch <laughs> just for that. But they've got this really weird Adelaide accent and, and it's such mm. a strange, strangulated drool they've got. It's great. I really, really enjoy their accents. I find this film very funny. I, I get that it's a great horror film, but on the most recent watch this month, I realised how much, especially the first 20 minutes or whatever, are inspired by the fast cut pace of like Edgar Wright's work. It just jumps all over the place. I like it more than ever now that I've realised that it's a comedy about the horror of parenting. Um, and I also love the fact that 
the thing that really triggers Amelia into going off at the deep end is that she watches Mario Barber's The Drop of Water, which is one of the scariest films ever made. What TV channel is she watching that shows like old horror movies, <laughs> the creepy 1930s cartoons? It's Australia. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dangerous country. I went to Australia many, many years ago and I do remember the TV being shit, but not in that way. Last time I went to Australia, they were playing The Masked Singer and this was like six months before it came to England. So Was it Masked Singer Australia? Yeah, well, it was in Australia, so yeah. Well, they might have been showing the American series. But um, no, I watched The Masked Singer Australia and there was absolutely no one I had ever heard of. So it was completely pointless. No, but it sounded amazing and I watched it and I was like, I'm only here for two weeks and I'm just watching these fucking idiots being masked up. Mm. What am I doing? Cora, go watch some cockatiels in the fucking park park. Oh man, I can't remember if it was a cockatiel. Uh, or a, <laughs> I saw big, so many cockatiels. Big old bird, big old bird at the entrance of Melbourne Zoo. When you go in, mm. it says to you, Hello. And then as you leave, it says, bye-bye. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, at least it doesn't have an Australian accent. That sounds great. <laughs> there's a brilliant thing on YouTube where there's a, a lady somewhere in Australia and her, her pet parrot, and he, he talks quite well and he's very sweary. So there's a brilliant scene where he's fighting with the dog and you've got her with the camera going, stop spitting at the dog. There's a brilliant pause and with excellent comic timing, the parrot looks at the dog and goes, fucking cunt! Um, and yeah so birds with Australian accents are brilliant so it's kind of a shame that Melbourne Zoo's one doesn't doesn't do that no (laughs) right also centred around a pain in the arse child is an Irish film called Dark Touch oh fucking hell this is literally one of the most dark films I've ever seen not in terms of being horrific but in terms of it having absolutely no hope whatsoever it sounds like it's sort of inspired by kind of Catholic theology but the sort told by really really evil nuns so (laughs) grim so there's some great scenes in it but I would not want to watch it again I found it upsetting really I first saw it a couple of years ago and I had a lot of fun with it and then re-watching it I was like why did I think this was a jolly jape? That's, it's really not a jolly jape. <laughs> no. I think it's because that opening telekinetic slaughter where the whole house comes alive. and Yeah. That's a jolly telekinetic slaughter. When it first comes alive, why does it sound like someone's just doing a really loud fart? Like things start moving in the house and I was like, this doesn't sound like a haunting. It sounds like someone's just going around the house farting on people while they're sleeping. <laughs> The scene where a person keeps getting stuck behind chest of drawers, keeps getting pinned with them, the woman in the hallway, I was just like, she's got away from it, and then she walks to the end of the hallway and it just crushes her again. Why do we have to see two scenes where people get crushed, like pinned behind chest of drawers? It is Neve's signature move, isn't it? Like crushing people with moving furniture. But yeah, yeah that, that hallway thing, why does she have that massive table in the middle of a hallway? <laughs> also, my favourite thing is when she almost crushes her child's neck with her own leg. Like that is what the ghost comes up with that the child's going to get their heads stuck between their mum's legs and she's going to put them in like a grip a wrestling grip and try and break their neck like why was that happening rad. you love wrestling Brownie. I love wrestling did I miss out on a wrestling spooky yeah you, you <laughs> missed out on a mum doing a wrestling move on their child I mean that's that's what I wanted from Army of the Dead I wanted a wrestling spooky film with, with Batista and I I didn't get that there's a kind of carry reference but because like neve is too young to go to prom so it's a children's birthday party that mm. she turns up at to do a telekinetic furniture pushing <laughs> this is a film obviously french director made in ireland 
But there's so many English people in it, which suggests that rather than the child abuse that's very strongly implied in the script, the actual horror in the end is colonialism. (laughs) 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 The kids at the party are weird because they're acting like parents that are abusive and horrible to their kids, but they're all like little girls from the 50s. They're all like, I like my dolly. <laughs> this was one of the ones that I did not watch, and all the ones that I did not watch sound like the ones that I'm glad I did not watch. Yeah. It's like this one yeah. is about the way you guys are making it sound is like it's about child abuse, but yeah. it's naff. <laughs> yeah, naff child abuse. Yeah, just like really horrible subject matter. Just kind of not that good. Yeah. Oh. No, I like it. Well, <laughs> I love Naf Child Abuse. <laughs> <laughs> it's big too man, nihilistic big at the end. It's too just like, no, I... Did the ending remind you of um, the Medusa touch that we watched last month? Oh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. except that, that more was More telekinesis, good. more collapsing buildings, yeah. more death and destruction. The ending yeah. confused, but like they... I know this probably sounds weird for me to say, but they were on fire and they just weren't screaming enough, really. Just sort of just, just sat there. I know that sounds weird to say, but they weren't screaming enough to actually be like, are they actually on fire? Well, talking of which, that's a good link into St. Maud. Hey. I mean, that's a great film. It's cracking. It's really good. It's one of those films where it's like, I'm not sure what I'm watching and I'm not sure if I enjoy it or not. Do you know there's a lot of films that make me feel stupid? Like, Yeah. Um, I've had this before, like with um, The Lighthouse. So I was like, I think I enjoyed that, but I feel stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel stupid if I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't really enjoy it. Whereas with St. Maud, I fucking enjoyed this. Like, I watched it to the point where I was like, this would be really interesting if um, everything she's saying is actually true. Because you know these arty films, it's like, it's always like, maybe yeah, yeah. it is, maybe it isn't. And then when yeah. they're like, ah, it's true. <laughs> Look at my big mouth. That bit just like chilled my blood so in the cinema. Good. That was the most unexpected moment. Yeah, because I was watching it, I was like, I really like this as a film. I really like this as a as a character piece. Like, I'm watching it. I'm like, I don't think I'm clever enough to get it, but okay. And then suddenly, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's real. Fuck you. It's so cleverly timed. You just. Don't say it. So good. What a good film. Really enjoyed it. And the end was beautifully, beautifully done. Greatest final half second in cinema. Yeah. And it still leaves you on like, what is it, isn't it? Like, Mm. it was just just brilliant. I'm I'm really glad I took today off work to watch that film. (laughs) For the benefit of Bryony's boss, (laughs) if she's listening, Bryony did not take the day off sick to To watch watch film. Anyway, I took took the day off sick. She was off sick anyway. Anyway. And watched St. Maud. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get yourself fired on account of this. (laughs) (laughs) I love the whole sequence where Maud goes to the pub and what follows out of that. If you've ever had a night where you've gone, right, I'm going to the pub on my own, and then it's a bit bit bleak. (laughs) It's so good. It's so funny from the guy, like, putting his eye fucking in. and (gasps) Everyone's so grotty. It's such a grotty film. The town it's shot in. I don't know where it's shot in, but it's also... Yeah, I think it's it's Scarborough. Weirdly, the end credits say filmed entirely on location in London. So I don't know if Scarborough Tourist Board said... Nope, don't, don't admit it's us, please. Don't no, tell anyone. No, no, no. This is not it's Scarborough. Just, it's, also, yeah. it's also grotty and also grim. First I was like, oh, am I really on board? I don't know what's happening here. Is it just going to be 
a lot of just conversations and then all of a sudden the tone changed and I was like, okay, that slow burn was absolutely worth it because now it's just changed everything on its head and has really surprised me. Like it came out of nowhere. I thought it was going to film that I was going to hate and then when it does the tone change, I'm like, this is absolutely brilliant. Talking of things not being what you expected them to be, um, when Alice Lowe wrote, directed and starred in Prevenge, I was kind of uh, all hyped up for another sightseers, like knockabout comedy. And so I was a bit disappointed at it, but on a rewatch, realised that it's, it is a proper miserable British drama of exactly the sort I love. Just happens to have a succession of like comedy actors doing cameos all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was a bit confusing in that sense that I was seeing all these comedy people on screen. Uh, but it's not a funny film, and it is not a funny film. It's grim. There's some bits that are grimly funny, like the the well, 70s yeah. DJ guy is just so sad mm. and so disgusting. Tom Davis is amazing. <laughs> but he feels like, I mean, I've we've all met people like that. Or I am a person like that. Good. <laughs> and 90s DJ. I was so lucky because I got to see this film in the Duke of York's with Alice uh, introducing it. Oh, I was there too. Oh, well, well done us. I'd just done like a really shit audition for a, a, a thing. And I basically like spent the last of my money to get up to London, do a 90 second audition, be told no, get back. And like my mate who uh, was the manager of the Duke of Yorks was like, do you want to come see the show? I'll get you in. And I was like, I'd really like that. And I sat there and just went, oh, I really fucking hate myself because I'm not good at comedy auditions. Greatest singing though. Thank you. And then to go down straight from that to seeing Alice Lowe presenting a film that she directed, wrote, shot, starred in, in such a small period of time whilst being pregnant, whilst being in charge of, was just like, this is amazing. Yeah, and it's not just that she's <laughs> written, directed and stars in it. It's one of those films where you're watching it and you go, how the fuck are you behind the camera and in front of the camera at the same time? Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah, turning yeah. out so well. So well. Yeah. And just... All of it was like spurred on by her just being pregnant at the time. Mm. She was like, oh, lol, lol, I'm pregnant. It feels very like comedian y thing to do, to be like, and I'm going to be the main character mm. in it as well. And it doesn't always work. <laughs> it, yeah, but it felt like it couldn't have been anyone else. Like, it's such like a personal story. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and it's coming from like that, obviously, that time period in her life was, you know, having another person growing inside you and the feelings mm. that that'd bring. It's like, oh, that makes perfect sense rather than being like, I'm going to be the lead character of my own shit. I'm going to do a wacky sitcom based loosely on my own life. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and I'm going to play an old woman even though I'm a young Irish man, you know. There's a real kind of rage in this film and there's also a real sense of kind of injustice as well in the way that yeah. pregnant women are patronised and, you know, you, you're regarded as a, a thing rather than a person. And that's even before you've encountered the problem of your baby telling you to kill people. To kill people, yeah. <laughs> there's also some amazing, like, when she does her makeup and stuff and she's just, like, walking through the streets of Cardiff and a lot of those shots are unsolicited so the the guys coming up to her are just just guys in cardiff because cardiff is a shit old oh yeah it's the only place i've ever seen a fight break out in a chippy <laughs> oh you've lived a privileged life haven't you <laughs> <laughs> admittedly i haven't spent much time in manchester Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> that's where fights happen yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Not like that down here in Brighton. Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, some bloke did run into the chicken shop at the bottom of North Street to have a fight with someone else and in the process slammed my head down on the table. Um, oh. For no fucking good reason. Whoa. Yeah. When was that? Oh, I don't know, about 10 years ago. Oh, I thought you meant like last week. I was going to be No, it's almost like one of only two times I've ever been kind of attacked. Um, no. The other time was when I was like four, <laughs> primary school. And uh, this kid called... <laughs> <laughs> this maybe a bit older probably probably more like eight and um this kid called um fa he had a big bag of cocoa powder and he was claiming it was heroin and i was like that's not heroin that's 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 chocolate and he slammed my head against the toilet wall wow and i, and I was sick you must just have the kind of head that gets slammed down like <laughs> two yeah. times yeah two times in 45 years <laughs> Well, whatever age you were, you were very confident about it not being heroin. Yeah, that, yeah, that says a lot, to be honest. But if someone was going to sneak a pack of heroin into primary school, <laughs> it wouldn't be a great big sandwich bag full of it. But why would you know that, aged eight? Because <laughs> Cliff was bringing heroin into the school. Because <laughs> we had Grange Hill to teach us about heroin. And just like the confidence of being like, I know what drugs look like, they don't look like that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, now to France and back to Dark Touch director Marina Devan, whose first movie was a grisly thing called In My Skin. What do you think of this? Grim. It was grim as fuck. There were a couple of scenes that were like something out of Blue Jam, the Chris Morris thing. So they were <laughs> proper disgusting and gross, but also funny because they had a kind of a silliness to them. The main problem I had with this is it just kind of loses its way in terms of having anything resembling a plot is this a satire about business is this about having a female body and carrying yourself with what is it about her friendship with her mate we've got a bit of, no it's just going to disintegrate into just her lobbing bits off of herself at the end yeah i, I found it really sad it's a very it's sad, sad film because yeah. like you know she ends up such a horrible bloody mess and it's all all self-inflicted mm. it's hard to watch it's very good but it's kind of weird that she says that she doesn't feel the pain so why mm. is she why is she doing it she's french <laughs> Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> no, the correct answer is buff. <laughs> Why would you not do it? <laughs> I am bored today. I'm going to cut off my toes. It's been a long time since I watched a disturbing movie, and there were parts of this. So when she was cutting skin and that, that made me cringe. Like I haven't cringed at anything in quite some time, and this did. There's that first thing where she takes the bandage off, and I wasn't sure if her leg had gone gangrene or something because it's like green on the bandage. So I was like, oh, mm. this just the effects are very realistic. So it just yeah. has this whole grimness yeah, to it the whole time. It's disgusting. <laughs> It's really horrible. It's great. And like the opening titles are so unpromising. It's really weird. It doesn't feel like it's what those, those titles should be on this film. No. What I find weird is that before the end credits, you get a little dedication and it comes up with, For My Brothers. You're like, you wrote, started and directed this film where this woman's hacking herself to pieces. What did your brothers do? <laughs> Dude. That is sending a message. That, it is, yeah. That is like... <laughs> Hands up here, I made a bit of a cock up on our watch list uh, because I thought surely Claire Denis made a horror film. So I said we should watch Trouble every day, but I forgot to check whether it's actually got a female lead. It doesn't really, we mainly just have to watch horrible, ratty Vincent Gallo moping around with a pedo tash. <laughs> um, Beatrice Dahl's character is the driving force of the whole story. She's not in it very much, so it doesn't really fit the theme of the episode at all. No, but she's awesome. The side with her basically being the female monster locked away, but occasionally escaping to predate on men and have sex with them and eat them, that was kind of... 
gross and interesting. And I like the kind of the weird sort of languid pace of it. The fact there were a lot of scenes that were silent and kind of dialogue free. But again, what's the fuck with the opening credits? Why are they in Comic Song? They love Comic Song in France. Like if you go to France and like a bookshop, they'll have like something really serious and it's in Comic Sans. I just bloody love it. That's so, it's just so weird. It looks like you're about to watch a five-year-old's programme about learning the alphabet. Well, I got sent um, a work email in Comic Sans the other day. (laughs) And this was from a professional company who are known by a lot of people when it got sent to us in Comic Sans. I'm on Outlook. I'm on Hotmail. And when someone sends me an email that my phone can't, like, detect the formatting of, it just turns Mm. it to Comic Sans. (laughs) So, as if, like, that's what I'd want. Oh, no, because you see people like that on the train sometimes and they've chosen everything to appear in Comic Sans and you think, wow, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Feeble, feeble-minded person. Has anybody made a horror film about Comic Sans? No. It might be like um, the Japanese film Spiral, you know, where, like, spirals keep appearing everywhere. Watch Comic Sans appearing everywhere. Yeah. Like the first thing someone notices is that the uh, number on the door of their house <laughs> is looking a bit more frivolous than usual. Yeah, and then they pick up um, their phone and it looks like a children's birthday party invite and they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then that causes an argument between couples because they'll be like, you changed my phone, you're crazy. And yeah. then they can't sign any checks because all their handwriting comes out in Comic Sun. And yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's a, a scary idea. Uh, it is. I, I think, yeah. Let's crowdfund it. <laughs> also, there's a character in um, Trouble Every Day, Vincent Gallo's wife, is called June Brown, and not once does she go, oh, I say, which I thought was disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was disappointed in that. She's a very, very underwritten character as well, the wife. She just yeah. sort of spends a lot of the film moping, and then at the end, she's had some kind of makeover, so she looks like a sort of stereotype of a French lady in a 60s movie. It's like, oh, I've been to Paris, now I'm wearing this little pastel mini dress. What have you been doing, darling? And he's like, oh, I just... just had sex with someone and ate them. He starts in the right place to eat her. I'll, I'll give him that. That's where he, I to start. See, I got like <laughs> half an hour into this movie and went, no. And I didn't get any of these vibes. No, it's worth sticking with. Definitely worth is sticking it? with. Is yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, will this not convince you? This is verbatim from Wikipedia. While having sex with his wife, he stops and finishes by masturbating, then runs away from her and adopts a puppy. <laughs> oh that sounds nice that's a really oh. great sentence yeah. <laughs> they've missed out the bit that while that is happening the wife is banging on the bathroom door and crying yeah <laughs> am i the arsehole i was banging my wife and i stopped before i came by i got a puppy I got yeah. her a and puppy. there was like info where's your wife she was banging on the door screaming <laughs> and crying yeah. but i got a puppy <laughs> everyone sucks here I feel like if that was posted on Reddit, though, everyone would just be like, can we see pictures of the puppy? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, they would, yeah. All right, one film that undeniably does fit the theme is uh, Julia Ducournau's cannibal drama, Raw. Mm. Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, it made me really glad I didn't go to a prestigious university where, like, (laughs) hazing is, like, part Mm. of the culture because I just went to bloody John Moore's in Liverpool. No one went there. So, you know, it's like, oh, no one's going to be giving me hazing. But I just, oh, my God, I loved it so much. Like, it was so stylish looking as well. Mm. Like, it was really, like, striking and it's kind of, like, stark. I love the music in the film as well. The the Mm. soundtrack's so cool. But I do wonder if in France, mid-2010 student parties were really still playing the long blondes and even yeah. blood red shoes. Blood red shoes and yeah. the long 
blonde. I loved all that music when I was like a bit younger when it all came out, and then it made me feel really cool while I was watching these like, <laughs> students dance into it, as if it was like I know these songs. <laughs> and there's that amazing filthy hip-hop track oh my god i love that i fuck dead people fuck you yeah. yeah yeah i'm guessing that that wasn't written for the film but it seems like too perfect for the film like perfect for that moment and all mm. the lyrics and stuff like that it felt like it was made for that film like i'm gonna be the old one out i really don't like raw i'm sorry oh, right. <laughs> um so i got really excited for this film because when it first was getting shown at film festivals there was stories online of people fainting at film screenings and people being taken away in ambulances but i know which scene it was though it was the bikini waxing scene (laughs) (laughs) so i went and saw it and i just thought the gore in the film was tame i was like how could people actually faint at this film like it is disgusting at points but there's nothing that i felt was so disturbing i think it's a psychological disgust in this that it builds up i think i think the thing that bothered me when i saw this the screen of it there was a person that was like oh how has there never been any other gory films like this in france before Uh, have you not have you not heard (laughs) of french extreme like how I didn't think it was like mad gory like obviously like there's gross bits and like it's about someone eating flesh so like it's going to be a bit it was some people taken away in ambulances as well like they were Hmm. vomiting in screenings fainting and being taken away in ambulances and I was like it's not really is it possible that they had food poisoning and it was nothing to do with the movie whatsoever (laughs) it was three different film festivals so that they said people were fainting at it's probably just and the caterer for all but... of them was the same. <laughs> <laughs> right, and with that, we move on to our second feature, Coralie Farge's 2017 debut, Revenge. Jennifer, Stan Dimitri, my associates. Hi. Hi. You drive me completely crazy. So, tell me, what is it you don't like about love? <laughs> You're not my type, that's all. Not your type. Stop, stop, stop! After one of them's raped her, three hunters leave a young woman for dead in the Moroccan desert, but she survives to track them down and kill them one by one. Uh, So we started with a Jennifer, now we're ending with a Jennifer, um, and I'm sure there's a significance in that name that harks back to Jennifer Hills from I Spit on Your Grave. Uh, Look, you chose this one, Uh, so what do you think of Revenge? By which I mean the film, not the abstract (laughs) concept of vengeance. I think it's a great film. I do find a bit of the thing with the Slumber Party Massacre of focusing on someone's arse for ages like there's that whole thing at the beginning where it just keeps on focusing her ass and even my girlfriend turned to me and was like how is this a feminist film with that Mm -hmm. keep on happening like it focuses on the woman so much i do like that it doesn't show the rape scene and it goes to showing wrestling on a tv instead it's still horrific to hear the sound of that but i think that makes it a bit more effective for that but um i saw this in a screen with a man that was definitely just toxic masculinity at the end of the film got upset because there was a naked man on screen (laughs) and walked out of the screen at that point before the film had even finished. Started shouting things at the screen, being like, put it away, mate. And it's like, really? You've just watched the rest of the film and you've got to that point and you see a naked man and think, oh, I can't handle that. I've got to leave. 
And he was on a date as well. On the date <laughs> left. <laughs> so, so what are you doing? Maybe it was the bravado of being like, well, I'm not gay. <laughs> I watch a woman get murdered, but I'm not gay. <laughs> There's people on IMDb that have described this film as feminist propaganda, which is hilarious. <laughs> But it, it does sound like it's pissing off the right people. I don't know, cause, because there's a willy in it and... There's literally no part of this film that screams feminist propaganda. No, I know. It's, though the men are the kind of three types of creepy men in certain situations. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah. have the guy that's the yeah. rapist, the guy that knows what's going on and just watches the telly, um, and then the guy who you think is your boyfriend who actually turns out to be worse than any of them. I feel like I, uh, as someone who has been raped quite horribly, um, I have stopped myself from watching these these kind of films, which I feel are quite exploitative and, and quite terrible. And I was like, well, I'm going to watch this. And I watched it, and it ticked some boxes in a good way. Um, in that, it was like, okay, I can see what's happening. This is fine. But also... It- Who's applauded? Hey. Anyone just hear some applause? Yeah, yeah, it was like the weirdest time for the just, just <laughs> some applause. I live, I live right next to the open air theatre, so oh. they are applauding my opinions right now. They're really enjoying your monologue. Yeah, yeah I thought it was an American talk show audience in it. Yeah, that was crazy. Hang on, wait, 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 wait. Rape is bad. Ah, oh, fucking sexist. What a load of bastards in the open air theatre today. No. <laughs> I know. no. So I watched the film and I was like, I feel really uncomfortable and not not like triggered. I hate using the word triggered, but I was like, I feel like uncomfortable watching this. But I hope that other people watch this film feel uncomfortable too, because this is what it's like. This is what happens. I hope they feel uncomfortable and I hope they they see this act and they feel really fucking uncomfortable. It's a very well filmed rape sequence. Yeah. And I hope they look at the way it goes afterwards. Like, I hope they're looking at those people and, and everyone feels uncomfortable. Everyone feels uncomfortable because these people are the worst people. It's the point where she takes the drugs. I'm just like, this is a fantasy now for me. Like, this is a good fantasy film. Well, the first time I watched it, I was wondering if the whole thing was fantasy because like there's no way she could survive that fall yeah i'm really interested by that idea that maybe she died and then it's a fantasy because the way she escaped by like burning the tree she was on was that what it was meant to be yeah 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 she manages to set fire to the tree that's impaled her how would that surely then you would be on fire well no it collapses before and she rolls away from it Oh, because I feel like if I was impaled on a spike, right, I don't think I would have the wherewithal to think that that's what was going to happen to the tree. Because I feel like I would be like, I'm just adding fire to this situation (laughs) now where I could just be blown up into flames. I mean, when I got raped, I just wanted a cup of tea. But yeah, I would have done that if I'd been in that position. And there's a few, like, sort of kind of rape victim fantasy films that I just don't watch. But it was the first film which I watched where I was like, it's not for me, but I'm really enjoying what's happening. And I think the introduction of the the weird drug stuff made it more comic book. Oh, she's a fucking superheroine. She's a Well, yeah, that's the thing. But I really agree with you, Brian. From the opening where it really keeps, like, keeps following her ass. it keeps mm. following her crotch, it's really mm. male-gazy. Mm-hmm. I was nervous watching those shots because I was like, something's going to happen to her. 
mm-hmm. something's going to happen to her. I also try and avoid stuff that's got any sexual assault in it. And I felt really like this feels like it's going to go the way that I know it's going to go. The way I see it, the reason the director focuses so much on Jen's body is because she's telling you this is a fucking great figure of womanhood. She's a she's a beautiful woman and she is going to be an absolute icon of horror by the end of it. The whole icon, I think, is like the ripped ear and the other ear. Exactly. And the, the pink, pink, the pink yeah, star earrings, earrings are incredible. Are they, they glow so much. The, the whole film looks beautiful. The blue sky, the yellow desert, the pink earrings. She starts off blonde, but then for some reason, halfway through the film, she's brunette. I just thought she was really sweaty and I didn't think it was feminist but I didn't go into it thinking it would be because I went in completely blind and then when I was reading more about it because I wanted to be like what what was the (laughs) point of this film (laughs) because I didn't really enjoy it Uh, so like when I was reading about it and everyone was kind of hailing it as like the feminist take on the rape revenge film which is a weird genre (laughs) to, Mm -hmm. to exist um and i was like is it though like i didn't i didn't really feel it was like i understand it being like you can absolutely have someone who's like hot and is in a film and you're looking at her but to relate it back to jennifer's body it's Mm. like in that film megan fox is really sexualized but she's really in control of her sexuality and then you see in revenge it's kind of like used against her and she's not got any like she's not wearing any bottoms throughout like the yeah. whole film <laughs> and it just kind of feels like she's in a vulnerable spot and she's like she's young and she's skinny and she's fit i don't think there is any feminist political commentary i think it is a traditional exploitation shocker but it's a really oh, beautiful yeah. looking one i do think that the men are meant to represent like particular kinds of assholes that you meet mm. yeah i didn't think of that and that's a cool take i'm kind of a bit on the fence about this one because i resisted watching it too it's like anything that's kind of like could be a rape revenge movie i'm like i don't think i'm gonna gonna want to the thing is it looks fucking cool and it was a cool really stylish like the look of it's gorgeous it's very tarantino i thought once you get yeah, kind of totally. caught up on the you know just when the, the drug and the... phases it's like that's yeah. fucking and the dream sequence as well after that yeah, is, yeah. is so cool and i love gore i love gore and yet last time i watched this like this month i found myself involuntarily closing my eyes during the bit with the foot and I thought, why are my eyes shut? I can watch this. I can it's so horrible. One thing that I can't get over is how they managed to do that really comical cat and mouse chasing each other around in circles without it <laughs> without it getting silly and ruining the whole without thing. The Benny Hill music. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of funny and it's sort of silly, but it still works. And I think it's just because they're so covered in blood. You just... Yeah. You just accept it for what it is. She finally slips up on all the blood because it's like, at that point you're going, surely she should slip up on the... Oh, she slipped up on all the blood. (laughs) Yeah, that does feel like maybe it was like a second watch where someone was like... Someone would have said, oh, okay, we'll put that in for realism. (laughs) (laughs) Or he has to put the cling film around himself to hold his 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 guts in. Oh, my God. I'm so sad she killed him, though. He was such a dick. Yeah, of course. I mean, she's a fucking icon. I would go to a Halloween party dressed as Jen from Revenge. Um, (laughs) You'd be cold. You'd be cold. You would be cold. I would be cold, (laughs) you're right, yeah. You'd need leg warmers at the very least. (laughs) Good honour. Good (laughs) honour. Yeah, well done for killing those guys. Bad on rape. 
good on her. I can't believe the whole time you've been saying these very correct statements. The people have not been <laughs> applauding you. <laughs> um, I think the only thing that would improve revenge for me is if there were five blokes that she had to kill instead of just three. If it's Emily's idea of it being the tropes, what would be the other two types of guys? <laughs> the other two types of creeps that would be added? Fedora-wearing guy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. One that thinks he's being, like, feminist and complimentary, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but is actually way worse than everyone else. <laughs> You've got to have a gaslighty one in there. I mean, the boyfriend kind of is, but yeah. <laughs> and um, the guy who played Eugene in Greece. What, 45 and pretending to be 12? that fifth guy would not be working for the main guy he would have followed her be a tracker on her phone and came there and been like hey funny Mm. bumping into you in this desert (laughs) no he'd turn up at the end just before the helicopter where she's like covered in blood and her boyfriend's dead in the corner (laughs) but it's like hey yeah i just i just happened to be walking by and um yeah, I mean, this, this sounds really funny, but I think we've really got a connection. So um... yeah, I, was just, I was just in the area. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's time to separate the men from the boys. Okay, uh, so it's Hannah and Bryony versus Emily and Luke. And one half of each pair will come from films we've talked about tonight. And I warn you, it's pretty difficult this month. Oh, fuck's sake. You might even worry that I'm starting to struggle to find recognisable music from films we haven't already had. So <laughs> I might I might start giving you clues, possibly. Uh, right, so what are your buzzer noises? Luke, you brought your, your frog? Ribbit. So, like, I looked around my flat. I don't have anything that makes noise. And I'm not musical, so I don't have any instruments. But I've got my toothbrush. Oh, excellent. Oh, it's cool. Brilliant. That's it. That's the only thing. The only thing that makes noise in your whole house. (laughs) I don't believe it. Yeah, apart from like me or my phone. Could have brought your microwave in. Oh, yeah. But I'm not going to bring that in. That would be insane. At least this is like handheld. No commitment to the podcast. My microwave (laughs) makes a noise. (laughs) Use that as a buzzer. Hey, if it's good enough for um, Dave Gorman on Taskmaster, then it's good enough for for Devil Times 5. Right, Emily, what, what is your noise? Um, I'm not musical either, but loads of people around me are. So this week I've got my flatmate stylophone. Your Will Ferris stylophone. Don't play any pedo songs on it. I wasn't going to play. (laughs) (laughs) Is that is that's another horror movie? The cursed stylophone that only plays. um, I'm the leader of the gang. And Brian, you've got your emetophone or whatever it's called. Right then, here's your first pair of scary noises. His ribs were compressed too tight for too long. He suffocated to death. That wasn't smoke. There's the Rolf Harris stylophone. <laughs> Emily. Um, making it all the more inappropriate that the film is Dark Touch. There was a dialogue. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Did you get the music? I didn't because I was excited about getting the dialogue and also remembering what I needed to do to make this make noises. So I'm going to start giving clues on this now because it's just getting too difficult. Some of these are too obscure. So the music, uh, your clue is which? Uh, which finder general? It is not. Okay, so uh, Bryony and Hannah, can you get the music? His ribs were compressed too tight for too long. He suffocated to death. That wasn't the smoke. The cover protected him. 
She was squeezing him so hard. Could she have... Maybe, but I don't think she would have had the strength. She's saying that the house went crazy. I have no idea. Like, I do not know. do witches, so... Do, 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 witches. Do, do, do. So that's a no, you don't know then. No. <laughs> it's Hagazusa. Is, is that the film with the skull on the front cover? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Number two! Now there's this certain time when these constellations are aligned, when you can open the gate and let the old gods, those are the demons, come through. Well, I checked, and it's like now... Terry, but... What? Terry. Yeah, Luke. I think I've got the dialogue wrong, though. I thought it was The Gate. It is The Gate. Well done. Okay. And the music? Oh, that's one of these films, then. Uh, God, it sounds a bit churchy. Is it St. Maud? Nope. Uh, so the music? Well, there's this certain time when these constellations are aligned, when you can open the gate and let the old gods, those are the demons, come through. Well, I checked, and it's like now. Terry, but... What? Terry, this is a record album. But, you see, there are these songs that tell you about the whole ritual for opening the gate. We did it. Um, You're very much on your own. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm so glad I've got my toothbrush. Oh, I, think I, I think I know what it is now. Yeah, but... me too. Is it the summer party massacre? Yeah. Yay! Well done. I watched a film and I paid attention. Oh, good for you. Okay, number three. What are you waiting for? My uh, brother died here. My my twin brother died in Paris. Yes, Emily. The music is Trouble Every Day. It's not. Oh, fuck. Do you want to guess the dialogue? Uh, my brother died here. Your twin brother died twin here. Twin brother died here. Um, who's got a twin brother in a film? <laughs> Is it my twin brother died here? Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not my twin brother died here part two. I wanna know what happened in my twin brother died here part one. If <laughs> my twin brother arrived here. <laughs> no, he he was split into two parts. So it's part one is what happened to the first part of him and part two is the second. I'm tired. <laughs> so uh Brian Ian, Hannah, um shall I give you a clue? I'll give you a clue. They're both French. What are you waiting for? My uh, brother died here. My my twin brother died in Paris. An accident? No. No, heart attack. I actually have the same malformation. Guess in my skin, I don't know. For the music or the dialogue? Oh, we can't just throw shit at the wall and see what one you <laughs> sure sticks. Dialogue, my brother died And in what do you skin. think the music is? Oh, I don't know. Like, Frenchy, right. Frenchy, poo-poo. Frenchy, French poo-poo. No, the music was in my skin, so you got that wrong. Oh, I said was. say the music! And the dialogue was personal shopper. Mm. At the halfway point, it's 2-1 to Luke and Emily. Number four. I was at a Doobie Brothers concert. I could see the music flowing in. Flowing into me. Bright red. Like... Emily. Is the dialogue from Buffy the Vampire Slayer? It is. And the music, the clue for the music is... It's got six letters in the title. For sake. <laughs> um, I was always shit at Countdown. Um, Luke? <laughs> well, I wasn't. I won a teapot. 
Yeah. Did you? That's one of the times I was in Manchester, Hannah. <laughs> do, you know, do you know about the guy who was on Countdown who, like, killed that person? <laughs> what? What? No way. There was, a, there was a guy who won a teapot and he was on it multiple times. And he became obsessed with this woman and was stalking her. And he didn't murder her, but in anger went to a Tesco and nearly killed someone because they had written a bad review of his shit book online. What was his book? Book about how to win Countdown? He tracked her down because he thought he was, like, amazing. Like, he thought him being on Countdown and winning meant that he was the cleverest man in the world. It gets you loads of pussy, I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's why, I think that's why he went on it. That's why anyone goes on Countdown for the pussy. <laughs> yeah, so he also wrote a novel basically about this woman that he was obsessed with and stalking where it was like a fairy tale where he, like, rescued rescued her and they lived together happily ever after. So he was one of those fifth type of men as well. Yes! <laughs> so, have you thought of a six-letter word yet? Yeah? You've had time to do it while I've been spieling about the uh, guy who tried to kill the person. No, I can't. I can't get it. No? Okay, Brian and Hannah, can you get the music? I just know Doobie Brothers comes. I could see the music flowing in. Flowing into me. Bright red electric and I, I felt like I was a big uh, big toaster you know and I thought well maybe I am a toaster and draws molecules and you know my friend Melissa her head looked like a big party balloon that, that, oh, 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 that scared me oh, I don't know no the music uh you're not gonna get it the music no, was basking I haven't seen that film in a long time so yeah yeah uh number five so I left some notes on the kitchen table with all of her bits Emily again. The dialogue is Saint Maud. Certainly is. And your clue for the music is um it's a jalo. Oh something kind of upbeat and adventury and really, really not jalloy at all, more kind of Indiana Jonesy in the two seconds that I heard. It's a jalo, just doesn't narrow it down. <laughs> if we just name a jalo? Yeah, if you want to name one. All right. Um, what well, a real one? We'll just make one up. Um, <laughs> no. Um, Made up Jallo titles are the best. <laughs> um, bird with the crystal plumage. It's not. But as you mention it, Mrs. Johnson. Mrs. Johnson. Mrs. Johnson. <laughs> it wasn't that. So can you get the music, Brian and Hannah? So I left some notes on the kitchen table with all of her bits. She's a maid coming over tomorrow. Try to get sauce. Start her on a new course of twelve shots, and she's got one of those every evening before dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, your bedroom's upstairs on the left. Her Majesty's in there having enough. How is she? Bit of a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it, but it really sounds like someone should be like walking purposefully to it in a cape. I'm super bad at knowing what the actual Jallo titles are. Sorry. All right. Okay. Um, the the answer was Jallo. Oh, you shut up! You you oh. can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then that's that's now that's not fair. What, what do you mean it's not fair? Because Jallo's not a proper Jallo. Yeah, I know. That's why I said it's a Jallo? Question mark. It's a Jallo. Yeah. The clues were all there. Right, number six with the scores at four one to Luke and Emily. So Brian and Hannah, you need to get both of these. She's unlikely. To so draw level. So here you go. All right. Chaotic is. Oh come on, guys. Cheer up. We've just got the old 
the old boiler going. Now, I know it's a little bit ramshackle, but yeah, a, bit. A, bit, a little bit dusty. We're not here on holiday, are we? This is the point. Huh? <laughs> Work together as a team, pull together as one, and we can start by clearing this place up together. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sleeping in here, Jeff, mate. It's a fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, Brianie. The music is um, The Wicker Man. Yes. And the uh, the dialogue is one of the films that we watched. Hold on. You know what? I've fucked this what? one up because the, the, the other half isn't one that we watched. Oh, <laughs> no. Really? Yeah. How did I miss that up and not notice? The clue for what it's worth is that um, an actor from Prevenge is in that clip. Oh. It's all right. You're not going to get it. We give up on that one because I fucked mm. up. <laughs> you did. We'll call, that, we'll call that one null and void. What is it? Uh, it was inbred. You could hear Joe uh, Hartney in that. Uh, okay. So at the end of that slightly fucked up round, uh, it is 4-1. <laughs> no, sorry, it's 4-2 to Thank you. Uh, Luke and Emily. Give me points, you bitch. <laughs> I want to see Bryony on countdown. <laughs> give me points, points give me points you bitch <laughs> well, Anne Robinson's presenting it as of Monday so uh, you know it'd be appropriate it would yeah. now mind you I'd say that on Mastermind as well <laughs> give me points you bitch Hannah we have come to the end thanks for joining us hope you enjoyed your time here yeah cheers thanks for having me do you have any gigs or anything else you want to plug that's coming up I've got a, a sketch on BBC Three that you can watch on iPlayer. Oh, as wow. one of the laugh lessons. It's um, it's a lovely snowflake feminazi sketch. So you might like that. Awesome. And uh, Emily and Luke, you got any gigs coming up that our listeners can attend in person or online? Faversham on the first of July, called Comedy Lock In, and then on the sixteenth of July, I got one in. Luton at the Hat Factory. I'm doing a work in progress in Faversham on the last Saturday in July. Why is Faversham the centre of comedy all of a sudden? Well, there's Faversham Fringe and there's like ah. one venue, both run by the same lady who's kind of at the moment buried in post-it notes going, why am I doing all this admin? But she's doing it, <laughs> bless her. And yeah, it was it was nice last year. So yeah, I've, I've got other work in progress shows beforehand, but that will mostly be me just standing around going, oh, God, I don't know what I'm doing. Or maybe just crying. Who knows? Um, Brian, you got any... You going to see any gigs? <laughs> <laughs> you seen anything good at the cinema recently? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Next month, we're having a basic one, but we want your input. Uh, please let us know on Twitter or Facebook how you rank Friday the 13th, parts two through nine. Nine being Jason Goes to Hell. Uh, and we'll collate the results and reveal them in next month's Jason-tastic show. Uh, we will be joined by comedian Nathan Darcy Roberts, who's a horror fan who's never seen a single Friday the 13th movie. So it'll be interesting to see how they go down with a Crystal Lake version. So look out for that listener's poll on the socials. In the meantime, keep spreading the word and rating and reviewing and all that bollocks. Uh, be nice to women. And thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have to say be nice to women at the end. That should be a given. You already started with women issues. <laughs> oh, God. Is this film about period? <laughs> the minute where you were like, it's now the time of the month. I was like, fucking hell, just get a job working for funny women already. Mm-hmm. <laughs>